fully clothed. Mr. Jeremy? But Agnes Torres knew there would be no answer. Mr. Jeremy wasn't sleeping, not with his charred eyes burned permanently open, the ashy cone of his mouth frozen in a scream, and his blackened tongue swelled to the size of a chorizo sausage sticking straight up from it like a flagpole. She crossed herself, fumbling out her rosary, unable to move. There was a scorched mark on the floor, right at the foot of the bed, a mark which Agnes recognized. In that moment, she understood exactly what had happened to Mr. Grove. The cloven hoofprint burned into the floor, told her everything she needed to know. The devil had finally come for Jeremy Grove. The sergeant paused from stretching the yellow police tape to take in the scene. It was a mess that was about to become a fucking mess. The barricades had been set up too late, and rubberneckers had overrun the beach and dunes, ruining any clues the sand might have held. It was the 16th of October in Southampton, Long Island, and the town's most notorious resident had just been found murdered in bed. He heard Lieutenant Brasky's voice. Sergeant, you haven't done these hedges. Didn't I tell you I wanted the whole crime scene taped? Without bothering to respond, the sergeant began hanging the yellow tape along the hedge surrounding the Grove estate. He could see the TV trucks already arriving and could hear the distant dull thud of a chopper. The SOC boys were here, too. The sergeant watched them entering the house, carrying their metal crime lab suitcases. There was a time when he would have been with them, even directing them. The lieutenant was now standing in the middle of the semicircle of TV cameras, having the time of his life. Brasky was planning to run for chief in the next election, and with the current chief on vacation, he couldn't have gotten a better break. The sergeant took a detour around the lawn and saw a man in the distance, standing by the duck pond, throwing pieces of bread to the ducks. He was dressed in the gaudiest day-tripper style imaginable, complete with Hawaiian shirt and giant baggy shorts. Hey, you! The man looked up. What do you think you're doing? Don't you know this is a crime scene? Yes, officer, and I do apologize. Get the hell out. But, sergeant, it's important the ducks be fed. They're hungry. The sergeant could hardly believe it. Let's see some ID. Of course, of course. The man started fishing in his pocket, fished in another, then looked up sheepishly. Sorry about that, officer. I threw on these shorts as soon as I heard the terrible news, but it appears my wallet is still in the pocket of the jacket I was wearing last night. His New York accent grated on the sergeant's nerves. The sergeant looked at the guy. Normally he would just chase him back behind the barriers, but there was something about him that didn't quite wash. I'll be going. No, you won't. The sergeant took out his notebook, flipped back a wad of pages, licked his pencil. What is your permanent address? Uh, that would be the Dakota Central Park West. The sergeant paused. Now that's a coincidence. Aloud, he said, Name? Look, Sergeant, honestly, if it's a problem, I'll just go on back. Your first name, sir, he said more sharply. Aloysius. Spell it, the man spelled it. Last, Pendergast. The pencil in the sergeant's hand began writing this down, too. Then it paused. Slowly, the sergeant looked up. The Oakleys had come off, and he found himself staring into that face he knew so well, with the blonde white hair, gray eyes, 
finely chiseled features, skin as pale and translucent as Carrara marble. Pendergast? In the very flesh, my dear Vincent. The New York accent was gone, replaced by the cultured southern drawl he remembered vividly. What are you doing here? The same might be asked of you. Vincent de Gasta felt himself coloring. The last time he had seen Pendergast, he had been a proud New York City police lieutenant. And now here he was in Shithampton, a lowly sergeant decorating hedges with police tape. I was in Amagansett when the news arrived that Jeremy Grove had met an untimely end. How could I resist? I apologize for the outfit, but I was hard-pressed to get here as soon as possible. You're on the case? Until I'm officially assigned to the case, I can do nothing but feed the ducks. I must say, Vincent, running into you is a most welcome surprise. For me, too, said Degasta, coloring again. Sorry, I'm really not at my best here. Pendergast laid a hand on his arm. We shall have plenty of time to talk later. For now I see a large individual approaching who appears to be suffering from emphraxis. A low-pitched, menacing voice intruded from behind. I hate to break up this little conversation. Degasta turned to see Lieutenant Brasky. Brasky stopped, stared at Pendergast, then turned back to Degasta. Perhaps I'm a little confused here, Sergeant, but isn't this individual trespassing at the scene of a crime? Well, uh, Lieutenant, we were— Degasta looked at Pendergast. This man isn't a friend of yours now, is he? Well, as a matter of fact, the sergeant was just telling me to leave, interjected Pendergast smoothly. Oh, he was, was he? Let's see some ID. Degasta waited smugly. This was going to be good.